It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. I don't know what you're doing, but I'm quarantined. I'm stuck in the house. I'm obeying the law of the land, and I am saying, hey, I have a governor that says stay at home, and so I'm listening to her. I hope you're staying at home, and I hope you're staying healthy and doing well out there. We're believing God to triumph through this crisis, and uh, but I'm going to throw some Greek for the Week podcasts your way as we move forward into the COVID crisis and and invite you to tune in and tune along. <laughs> Just a month ago, I was in Italy. People were asking me, are you okay? Are you doing fine? I'm doing good. If I had the COVID virus, I didn't know it. I know when I came back from Italy, I had a pretty bad cough, and much of which <laughs> you would call the symptoms, but I wasn't thinking coronavirus back then. You know, it was over there, and it, it just I wasn't thinking that. I didn't put two and two together, and Recently, someone said, well, maybe you had it. Well, maybe I did. And if I did, then God protected me and and uh, has helped me to recover. And I pray that upon others that are going through this now, that God help you and strengthen you. If you know loved ones that are going through this, that God give them strength and God bring healing to their bodies. We believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, that he's a healer. So, so we lift up all of those that are going through this in a more personal way than just seeing it on the news. My brother's a nurse and my cousin's a nurse, and my cousin's wife is a surgeon, and so, you know, I have family that's on the front lines. If you're a healthcare worker, we thank you for your your uh, sacrifice and your dedication. If you're a grocery store worker or someone that has an essential job, we thank you, and uh, we give God praise for your, your sacrifice in this moment. We pray that God strengthen and keep you. Let's talk Greek for a moment. Let's open up, <clears throat> excuse me, to Matthew chapter 5. I want to get into this, and uh, we're finishing up the Beatitudes. If you've been watching Greek for the Week on on Instagram, we've been we've kind of been going through it and making our way through the Beatitudes, and I really like to do that because, you know, the Beatitudes, I've said this before, was kind of boring to me when I was a, a young man and, uh, you know, growing up in, in youth group, and you didn't really hear a lot about the Beatitudes, you know, the whole blessed just wasn't, I don't know, it's just our youth pastor really got into that. It that much, and we, we heard more about them as elementary kids, and then we'd make things like paper with crayons and do the, do the whole beatitude thing, and I used to memorize way more scripture than I am able to memorize right now, but I never memorized the beatitudes. It would have been helpful because I've been referencing these so much, I have to go back to them and make sure I got it right, so I think when I start putting verses to memory again, which hopefully is very soon, I, I start getting these beatitudes right, but I know them but I still have to look at them. Memorizing scripture is a great thing, by the way. Uh, it's something we should really endeavor to do. It's a, a great spiritual discipline for spiritual formation. But Matthew 5.10 says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs the kingdom of heaven. And this is, and this beatitude extends into verse 11 that says, Blessed are those when they rival you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. So they kind of go hand in hand and they're counted as one. We know what blessed means. It means makairos. It means to be... Uh, better off, to be more well-off, and to be have an advantage over all the other people that are around you. It's easily, easily noticeable. So you have something going on here, and that is God, Jesus is telling you to live righteously. Now, I brought up this issue theologically that we don't want to pollinize the gospel. Not pollinize, but pollinize, meaning that it's helpful when we go into the scripture and we're not looking at what Jesus said through the lens of Paul. Do they work cohesively? Yes. But 
when you're a language student, you understand that people use words and terms differently. How I use one term may be different from how you use another term, all right? And so, in this case, Paul's use of the word righteousness, dikesune, is different from how Jesus is using it. Paul's use of the word dikesune is often a positional truth. We are righteous because of something that Christ has accomplished through his work. It's a position. We have standing before God. We're righteous. However, when Jesus is using it here in the Beatitudes, it is more of an action. It is a behavior. It's an ethical and moral position. He's telling you to live a life that is separate from the world and that is representative of God. So it is behavior and it is acting a certain way. Now, this would cut against Gnostic ideas and pre-Gnostic ideas. It would go hand in hand with what, what John would write in 1 John about living even as Christ has lived. It means that there's something in the Christian life about a moral and ethical standard that really okay, represents a difference that's in the world. We know later on that that's made possible by the incoming power of the Holy Spirit as it was sent to us after Jesus ascended on high and sat down next to the right hand of the Father and sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts. And it's the Spirit that accomplishes that for us more thoroughly now. All right, But it is a righteous standard that is characterized by a life that is wholly dedicated and devoted to following, to following Jesus. And so when you look at the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7, Jesus is going to ex- give to you the Jesus Manifesto, which I call it, is how to be a Christian. It's the best thesis on being a Christian. This is what a Christian should look like. This was the bulk work of Jesus' teaching about how we should live morally and ethically and how we should follow him. And what he makes certain to tell you is that this type of righteous living is going to attract persecution. Now, that's interesting because we see that a righteous life always stands out. It stands out amongst the crowds, and people are always going to take shot at it. It says in Peter that all that would want to live godly in Christ Jesus. Uh, well, I, not Peter, I said, excuse me, Paul. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, they will be persecuted. So that's your endeavor and that's your desire. Then you can just expect the heat to come. Now, I put up a post on Instagram uh, this week that was well received by most people. Of course, of course there were some dissenters, and, and there, there always is, but that's okay. And this is what I said. There, I, I referenced an article that was blaming Christians for the coronavirus, COVID-19. And, you know, I didn't want to bring up corona other than that little preamble in the beginning of this, but, you know, everyone's talking about it, so let's just, let's just keep talking about it. Um, and the article in the New York Times was entitled, The Road to Coronavirus Hell Was Paved by Evangelicals, all right? And in the article, they were blaming some, some preachers and some probably more nationalistic type preachers and more fundamentalist preachers for their actions and their their lack of taking heed and being cautious about not meeting. Now, listen, I'm a pastor. Our church is not meeting right now. We're not meeting. I mean, the moment that our governor said, don't meet beyond 10, that was it. I mean, it, was, it, didn't, it didn't really require much thinking. I want to be, I want to honor our governor. And uh, even though her political uh, stance isn't, I don't, really share many ideals with her, didn't vote for her, uh, but I bless her, and I want to be obedient to her and, and pray for her and uplift her during this time, because she needs prayer, and she needs help, and she needs wisdom, and I want to see, I want to see her lead us through this successfully, 
And so, but I didn't, but, but I obeyed. So we're being cautious as a church. I mean, we are being extremely cautious. When we did have service, okay, we, we washed our hands and we made sure everything was wiped down and, and we took precautions, but, but we, we're not having service. But there are other, other pastors that I, I disagree with, okay? I disagree with them that I don't think you should be meeting right now. And they make this into a political issue about losing our rights, but I don't see it as that. I see that, yes, the government can't infringe on our rights as a church, but we have a responsibility to practice worship and our exercises as a church safely. And if we're not practicing those things safely, then the government has a responsibility to step in and say, hey, you guys are a threat to yourselves and to the community around. So I don't, I don't see it as a government grab in this regard, okay? And I know other people, they see it that way, and that's where the argument is, and, and it's worth listening to each other. But be as it may, I didn't agree with the article at all, because even though I agreed with the pa- disagreed with some of the pastors in the article, what they were doing versus how I'm practicing, okay, I felt that you can't paint Christianity with a broad brush like that and just say, hey, this is in large part due to the Christians. What I didn't see at all in the news, and believe me, I look at a lot of news to keep myself up. Not always in it, but I keep my mind, I keep myself where I'm up to date, up to speed, all right? Not feeding at it all the time, but I'm pretty with what's going on. Um, I don't see them blaming the spring breakers and saying it's the spring breakers' fault because they were down there in the beaches of Florida licking beer off of each other and making fun of the whole coronavirus issue. Don't see them blaming other people that were meeting, the, the big parties and, and uh, other events that were taking place at this time in defiance of what the governors had to say and what Trump had to say. Didn't see that. But what I did see was them taking aim at the Christians. And it, it reminds me of what Tertullian had to say. He's a church father from the second century AD. <clears throat> and he said this, Pagans suppose that the Christians are the cause of every public disaster, every misfortune that happens to the people. If the Tiber overflows or the Nile does not, if there's a drought or an earthquake, a famine or a pestilence, at once they cry, the cry goes up, the Christians to the lines, throw the Christians to the lines. So, so you see here that there is a propensity in church history for Christians to catch the blame. Well, you know the story, 64 AD, Nero is the Caesar. He's not liking the way Rome's going. So what does he do? He was a madman. He burns the whole city of Rome down. Was it 60%? When I was in Rome just last month, I was at the Colosseum, inside the Colosseum, for the third time, getting a tour for the third time, and, and hearing about this, he just didn't like it. And so who does he blame? He blames the Christians. He says, oh, it's the Christians' fault. The Christians have been catching a lot of blame as a people group when there is usually civil disruption and civil discourse or civil issues. And, and now you see in 21st century America... Christians getting blamed. So I'm saying that there's likelihood that the likelihood of you living a really pleasing life to public figures and in public opinion as a Christian is going to lessen the more our country in America turns away from the Lord and the more secular it becomes. Whereas in the past, it was pretty easy to live a Christian life. It's getting harder now. But that's not the case in other countries. Other countries that have never been Christian, good luck. You're never going to be popular being a Christian. You're going to be loathed, detested, and face even stricter persecutions. So 
let's just say from jump that Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, it's not going to be easy. Not going to be, it's going to, it's going to be difficult. And you better prepare yourself for what's ahead. Now, Jesus was very clear on this when the crowds were following him. Oh, what was the scripture here? Now I have to pull up what I was writing. I was working on, I was working on something here. And um, Luke chapter 14, that's where it's at. I'm going to give you a little extra for your time in Luke 14. I'm going to break this chapter down for you. And while I'm looking there, just let me remind you that Greek for the Week book is on sale right now. It's $4 on Amazon. Pick it up. They got an overstock there on Amazon right now, I found out. And they're selling it at a loss over on Amazon. So pick it up because once they run out of that overstock, um, they, it's price of the book's going to go back up. So uh, that'd be great. And also, I'm going to be doing webinars coming up very soon. You're going to start to see on my Instagram, my Facebook webinars. If you want to learn how to break scripture down, handle it. Maybe you can preach it better than me. That'll be great. That wouldn't take much. <laughs> no, I, I love preaching and, and teaching, but I love giving pastors insights. Hopefully they listen to them. They're free to disagree with me on stuff, but but uh, but if you're a pastor and a preacher and you want to learn how to work the text a, a little bit more efficiently than you do now and think maybe I can help, you can join my webinar and it'll be good. Jesus, in Luke 14, 25, it says, the crowds accompanied him and he turned to him and said, very important part because you see the crowds coming to Jesus, the crowds in scripture always represented something that was fickle, they were never good, they were always present, but they stopped people from really following Jesus, and the crowds are never painted with a pretty brush, okay? And, and Jesus sees the crowds. He wasn't after crowds. Jesus was after disciples. The crowds followed him because of his miracles and because of the way he taught. And you know, when there's somebody following you, more people will follow you just because people are following you. So they weren't real disciples. They were just curious inquisitors and onlookers. And Jesus looked at the crowd and he says, look, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, children, brothers, sisters, and even his own life, he can't be my disciples. And, and you say, well, Jesus, that's really terrible. Why would we hate our father and our mother, our children? Didn't you say that we shouldn't hate? Well, maybe this is a rendering in the English language that, that is hyperbolic, but the word here is meseo in the Greek, and it, 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 it corresponds to a Hebrew word that really means to just prefer something over another. It doesn't mean a malicious, malevolent dislike with vengeance attached to it. <clears throat> it just simply means have a preference. Jesus is saying, if you if, now we've disarmed that word right there, now it makes sense. Jesus is saying that you have to prefer him over your father and basically your whole family. And if you think that's bad, then he says, even your own life, which would mean your plans, your desires, and whatever it is that you've set yourself up for. But he doesn't stop there. That's one statement of four that he makes. And then he says, then you also have to bear your cross. Now that wouldn't have been heard at that time in light of his crucifixion because people didn't know he was on the way to the cross. The cross was a very, um, <clears throat> it was a very uh, provocative image because that's how Jews were killed in Palestine. They were put on crosses, so it was a very derogative idea, that a crass idea that Jesus was sharing, highly offensive. It represented death. And then you see, he says, and then you have to look at it like following me the way you build a tower. Sit down and count the cost before you follow me. And then, <clears throat> and then he finally says, he compares it to going to battle and says, and you also got to look at it like the way a person in verse 34 sits down and deliberates whether he's going to go to battle. Do you have what it takes to win? 
do you have what it takes to be the overcomer in that battle? Think about it and deliberate it. Jesus is saying, don't make following me an easy choice. Don't make this, I should say, a quick choice. For, for me, it was easy choice because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Okay? A good, the best choice I ever make. The only eternal choice I'm going to make. Okay? But he's saying, don't take this lightly. But what I would say is that when you hear the gospel presented, we should present the gospel to people, I should say, in a way that they understand that being a Christian isn't always going to be about every day being the way you want it to go. Do I believe in God's blessing? Absolutely. But I do believe that there's persecution with that. And a lot of the blessings that God promises, you may not get them in this life. They are waiting for you in heaven. Does that mean that you're going to be poor and your head, uh, you know, you're not able to cover your head and you have to wear rags when you go outside? No, I don't, I'm not on that train. But I am saying that the Christian life is not the easy life in the sense that you might be, you might be persecuted by family. I mean, I can tell you countless times coming to Thanksgiving dinner and, and just kind of feeling like, you know, kind of feeling like the ugly duckling because everybody's in careers where they're, they're pursuing the dollar and I'm like, hey, I'm a minister, I'm a pastor. And, and sometimes it just is a little bit uncomfortable. Well, what are you doing? I'm a pastor. Oh, how's that work? Oh, ha, ha, Father Chris. Uh, and you go through all that and then you make one mistake. Oh, here I was studying in Bible school. I was 19, 20. I wasn't, you know, I don't believe in instant, I believe in progressive sanctification throughout this life. You know, you're not perfect today. We still have the capability of sinning. God is, God is, bringing us further and further towards complete sanctification in Christ. But, you know, we haven't worked everything out. And so I'd make mistakes, not huge mistakes to mess up my life or injure people, just mistakes. And I never heard the end of it. Oh, you're supposed to be the pastor. Aren't you the Christian? Da, 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 da. And so it, that's a very low, light form of persecution that I was going through. And, and But you just deal with it. And so you may have just gotten saved and people don't want to stop reminding you of your past. They want to tell you, oh... Do you remember, now you're going to tell me about Jesus? Do you remember six months ago what you were doing? How are you going to try and tell me about Christ? Look, it comes with the territory. We have to thicken our skin and not fight these people, but love them. And pray that God have mercy on them and compassion. And you have to do that without a self-righteous, self-exalted attitude, which really comes from the humbling of having the presence of the Holy Spirit and a good estimation of your own self and your own eyes. And uh, it's all possible. Okay, but the point I'm trying to make is, before I run away with all this uh, in this podcast, is that we are, people are coming to hunt uh, and and look for, I should say it like this, they're loaded for bear when they're coming to see uh, when it comes to Christians. They not really have a good taste in their mouth. And it's sad or secularized people that, that are just, they're more secular than they are religious or Christian. They may throw you out because they don't, agree with your radicalness or your, your the committedness that you have towards the gospel. So just be prepared for it. And when that response comes, understand that despite that, you're blessed. You're living a better life. And if you hold to your convictions, they're going to see something genuine about your life. When I worked at a furniture store, I used to pull pieces of furniture off the back. And those guys had the most potty mouths I've ever heard to this day in my life. I mean, it was just you're in the back with guys. It's the hot months of the summer. And the stuff they talked about, I tell you what. But I kept my witness by the grace of God, by his keeping power. And one guy used to give me the hardest time. He worked in the shop. He'd come by, and he just would give me the hardest time about being a Christian. Oh, you Christians, da, da, da. You know, when I was getting ready to leave to go back to school, he came up to me, and he pulled a dollar out of his wallet, and he says, you know, Palmer, 
I've been watching you all summer, and you're an all right guy. I've hassled you, but you know, there's something about what you believe because you haven't, you haven't lashed out, you haven't gotten angry, and I've watched you, and I got to say I'm impressed. And he gave me a dollar to get something out of the vending machine, which is his way of, of being a, uh, well, I don't know, his, <laughs> he conceded. And maybe, I think he was convicted, so you never know. You stick to your convictions, there'll be someone that pulls a dollar out of their wallet to tell you to get something out of the vending machine. So stick to it. That's the blessed life, okay? All right, remember, Letters from Jesus on Amazon.com. There's a new Greek for the Week book coming out August 11th, 2020. Mark your calendar. Things continue to go. Uh, well, I, I, it'll, it'll be out August 2020, okay? We, we just believe that in faith. That's where it's set right now. You, you might even see it on Amazon. You can start pre-ordering if you like it. It'll be out. And webinars coming up. If you want to sign up for the webinar, look for more Insta- uh, information on Instagram. Okay, God bless, and we'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless, and good studying.